Okay, we are back again for another edition of Kente Corner, a casual Hoya podcast. Um, And it is Kente. There was some uh, disagreement last week about how do you say it. It's Kente. Um, As always, I'm Bobby Bancroft. I'm here with Andrew Geiger, the head casual Hoya. And we have a special guest from Flow Sports who called all the Georgetown games um, last week, Gavin Shaw. Gavin, what's up, my man? Hey, guys. How's it going? Well, um, Georgetown went 3-0 in the Bahamas. You got the chance to call all their games. I know it was a really big deal that their games were available for people to get. Flow Sports really came through. You know, there's always, you know, what's going on these on these foreign trips, and, you know, Flow Sports has been out there. So just tell us about, you know, all the teams you've seen. I know you, there's a bunch of them, including, unfortunately, Syracuse. Um, but if you could just tell us about what teams you've seen, and then we'll go from there on uh, Georgetown. Well, I'll tell you guys one thing that'll make you happy right off the bat. I, I did every Syracuse game, and in the last two, I mentioned Georgetown about five times each is the most impressive team I saw over the course of my trip. And I, I said it with the qualifier for Syracuse fans to cover their ears. I, I don't know if that happened. They just shut <laughs> their eyes, leave the room, go to a different state, catch a flight, uh, get a new passport. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that happened uh, every time. But, yeah, this is, this, is an, this is an incredible experience for me. And uh, I'm such a big fan of – international hoops and a, a lot of these games were, were blowouts because they were against really low level professional players guys just trying to catch on in the lower leagues in italy and spain but i'm sure much like you guys i'm just such a big fan of college basketball and i got such a kick out of seeing it three months early that it, it was really it was unique it was special and the beautiful thing about this i was telling andrew this we, we had a little call earlier this week that you can just you can imagine that your team is the best in the country because they're, they're just kicking butt against a bunch <laughs> of diminutive Europeans, or, or in the case of Georgetown, against an actual national team. And, and you can think, you know what, we can, we can do this against North Carolina. We can do this against Duke. And it really, it just, it's just a great time to dream, I would say. So I, I really genuinely enjoyed the whole experience. How did you even get sorted out with slow sports? Like, how did you get this gig? I'm sure there's some people wondering how, you know, to – break into this sort of thing yeah it, it was kind of a kind of a winding story so i'm from new york city i went to arizona state uh, to study sports broadcasting wanting to do this kind of thing and my seniors it was funny someone um we as part of this uh, sports club called the walter cronkite sports network and and uh, a friend of mine uh, ran the club and i hadn't gotten a, another basketball broadcasting position and then flo reached out to him about doing um, a tournament in phoenix um, lo and behold, felt some sympathy for me. Uh, hopefully, thought I was I was a decent broadcaster as well, and said, you know, what, why don't you go do this tournament in Phoenix? Um, then I went to year, didn't work for them, kind of reached back out, and then over the last year, it's been I mean, frankly, my literally my favorite thing in the world to do is to watch and, and broadcast basketball, and I've gotten to do now 17 college basketball games over the last year, a couple of the best high school basketball tournaments in the country, seeing some future college stars. So it, it, it's been a dream, and it, it's it's really a, a great company to work for because they're very slowly but surely acquiring the rights to better and better games as um, this is indicative of. What sort of uh, conference games do they broadcast during the season? Or is it just more like a one-off? Yeah, you know, it was was more like lower-level college basketball. I did a a Princeton game, the one tournament team I had. Princeton, we love it. 
Well, yeah, Princeton. Princeton was great. They they were good. They they have a, they had they had some good players. Um, and and the one tournament team I had was was Iona, and I was I I've never been I I grew up an Oklahoma fan. I've never been a bigger fan of a college team than Iona in the tournament. I, I was just so sad. I felt like I knew everything about the team, and I got to know the head coach Tim Clues a little bit. So I I just it, it just it, it was just such a kick. And I, I would say the coolest part about this, just for a guy, this is this is I'm two years out of college. This is my first year broadcasting major college basketball is to get to talk to and get to know some of these head coaches. So it was, it was really a dream come true for me. And actually I'll, I'll give you guys one more anecdote before I get too long winded, but in, this was like the fourth game I ever did. And a player on Towson, um, he dunked on his own basket and it ended up like just randomly in one of the six games I was calling and it ended up on sports center that night. So it tells you the magic, like you get involved, even at the lowest level of college sports, you, you can fluke into something. Well, I think that's a good transition to your new favorite basketball team, which is obviously the Hoyas of Georgetown. Um, what kind of struck you about the team that you saw on the floor in the Bahamas? Well, first of all, I mean, Bahamas national champions. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing more important than that crown. And I, I would argue absolutely, absolutely than right. The, than the eventual NCAA championship, Georgetown will win this year. But, <laughs> does that, does um, that yeah, get no. an automatic bid? Yeah, I think so. I think I think you guys, if if it you know if if worse comes to worse and you don't make the tournament, I would I would petition the NCAA at that point and see see if they might accept it. But what, what stood out to me was just the pace Georgetown played with. I, I know I know talking um, with with Andrew and talking um, to Ava Wallace, the uh, Washington Post uh, beat writer. Uh, she was noting that I, I was trying to get a gauge of, of Patrick Ewing's identity and how he wanted to play, and she said, you know, he's been kind of evasive. Um, when we've asked him that question in the past, he hasn't really given a definitive answer, but the closest thing I can gauge is that he, he just wants to play like an NBA team. And that's really what struck me, just the pace Georgetown played. There, there was that one possession where on one end, Omer Yurt 7 blocks a shot, pins it against the rim. It, it ends up in the hands of James Akinjo. He's running the floor. He, he has this subtle little ball fake to the right side that frees the entire Bahamian defense. Flips a little pocket pass right down the middle to a cutting yard seven, then he slams it. And I'm in my mind of thinking, you know, obviously against Big East competition, against Syracuse, that's going to be a little bit more challenging. But just the ideal of playing with that kind of speed. And, and on top of that, and this was another thing you guys noticed to me before, and I was really looking out for, just the hustle across the board in this Georgetown side. It's an exhibition game, and guys are sprinting back to get hard fouls to ensure there's not an open layup on the other end. And the fact that Georgetown just has the requisite offensive talent to pull it off. Everyone knows about James Akinjo and Mac McClung, but you guys clearly have a litany of wings who can really shoot the ball. Javon Blair hit like 23s over the course of three games. He really impressed me. And all of it around your seven. And your seven is the guy who I think makes this whole thing sustainable because last year with Jesse Govan, you didn't have that rim protector that you needed to – take advantage of how good you could potentially be offensively. And I think your seven is that skilled big that can protect the rim, can rebound credibly on one, one end, and then run the floor along with Josh LeBlanc and convert on the other. How, how wow. quality would you say <laughs> Alexander and Gardner are? I, I know that you just, you, you know, you just mentioned all the other players. I think your seven is probably the biggest player all the fans are getting excited about. You know, it's going to be a different kind of center. Um, do any of those guys look, look college ready for you? You know, I, I, I would say in, in the game that I called, neither one, it, it, was, it was hard to separate the two of them. They were both active. They were both athletic. They both had energy. But, again, when, when you, you're operating from the perspective of that NBA model, you, you, want, you want those types of wings, those guys who are physically able to compete at a really high level. And my biggest takeaway from those two is 
I, I don't think, and, and this is, again, like we get ahead of ourselves. Like I'm getting ahead of myself. Like you, just, you don't know how this translates necessarily. But That's what the whole opinion, website for, Casual Hoy, is getting ahead right, of Right, perfect, perfect. Okay, so good. Okay, so then I won't, oh, no more qualifiers. I'll, I'll, I'll just go ahead with it. Um, I, I think it will translate into March. If Georgetown is lucky enough to get that far, those two don't look like they'll be out of place in an NCAA tournament game. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that just in, in terms of depth has been what Georgetown has been missing. And even last year, what Georgetown was missing. And I think, I think you have two wings that are ready to be in those types of settings, like particularly Myron Gardner. Like he was playing really high level games at Spire a year ago. Like he, he's coming in ready to go. Um, Alexander, Alexander started off at LSU. They're, they're ready to be in those types of games. And I think if, if I'm a Georgetown fan, that's what I was looking for, and that's what I'm really excited about. But you have seven or eight guys you can credibly play in March. So, what did you, I assume this was your first time uh, being able to see Mac McClung on the floor. I mean, obviously you've seen the, the YouTube clips just like everybody else. Um, what was your take on Mac's game and seeing him in person? Yeah, well, I was, I, I was just, I was a little bit, um, a little bit disappointed, just in the sense that, like, the the game that I, I had to play, that I played for the third game, he obviously, I think he only had like maybe four or six points. But in some of the other games I watched, he just the the full package of shots that his athleticism allows him to pull off. And you see, you see a lot of guys at, at the college level, just insane athletes, even at the NBA level, like someone like Derek Jones from the Miami Heat, but they just aren't quite able to harness it and and. I, what's so great about McClung, I think it's the combination of his skill level and like his functional strength is just so good. He has this insane layup package. He's, I mean, clearly he's put a lot of work into his jump shot, whether or not that gets dramatically better. I mean, who knows? Obviously it'll, it'll help a lot, presumably not having an injured ankle all year, but just a variety of shots he can get off. And the big question, and I'd love to hear what you guys think about this for me is I guess just how much of it translates on a game to game basis. Like he can get all these shots off. Can he hit them consistently? And I, I guess I came away still, still kind of questioning that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think as, as far as I'm concerned, that obviously remains to be seen last year, he was a bit inconsistent, but there were certainly games where he could light it up. Um, I was impressed really with him in the Bahamas, just because it seemed to me that he could get anywhere on the floor that he wanted to. Um, right. And he was breaking down defenses and getting to the hoop at ease. Again, it is the Bahamas, um, but I mean, he looks a bit more mature from a body perspective, and that's obviously to be expected now that he's a sophomore. Um, and he seems to be playing a little bit more within himself and under control. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's I think that's where I was trying to go with the with the functional strength comment. He, the fact that he was he was dictating the action. He I, you said right. it perfectly. He got he knew where he wanted to go and he got there time in and time out. And to me, like I mean, shooting comes and goes. Like that ability, like only so many guys have that. So I mean, I, I in my opinion, I think this will be another sort of transition year where he's just a little bit more consistent than he was as a freshman. And then if he comes back for his junior and senior season, he's going to be one of the best twenty or so players in college basketball. Any of the other teams that you saw down there um, stick out in your mind, specifically any of the uh, Big East teams? Yeah, I think, I think see, you know, I didn't, I was supposed to do a Seton Hall game and it literally, they were, they were flying out of the East Coast just like me and there was a big storm and they weren't able to make it. So I miss seeing Seton Hall, though everyone, the consensus on them seems to be they're going to be very, very good. And even if they're not the most talented team, 
in the Big East, they're as cohesive of a group as, they, as they've had there under Kevin Willard. So that's certainly exciting for them. Um, Xavier, to me, I, in my mind, is that I, I, I haven't gotten to see Villanova, so that important qualifier, they, they should probably always be the favorite until proven otherwise. But I, I think Xavier's the most talented team in the Big East. They, they go 10 deep. They got two really good transfers in Bryce Moore and Jason Carter in particular, who was the leading scorer at Ohio a year ago. Everyone they brought back is another year better, another year more developed. Paul Scruggs, actually, who I'm sure you guys remember, was probably one of the more underrated guys on that team. What I heard from people inside the Xavier program was he was actually the person that got the most NBA hype of that group. So I think he could be a candidate to be one of the better players in the Big East this season, one of the breakout stars in the Big East. And they just brought in an excellent freshman class, four four stars, two or three of whom I think are really going to be able to contribute from day one. Kiki Tandy, one of the top 10 scorers in Kentucky history. So maybe a little bit too much Xavier for this podcast, but I, I, I believe if you ask me to place a bet down, I would bet on Xavier winning the Big East this year. Yeah, I kind of tuned out when you started talking about Xavier. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't blame you. <laughs> I was actually on my phone. I was actually booking my my tickets to Final Four in Atlanta. I mean, do you think? Oh, sure. <laughs> you think Georgetown? Well, Bobby, how'd you phrase it? What, what's what's the what's the best way to phrase this question? Would would you be more surprised if Georgetown what doesn't make the tournament or whether it yeah. makes the tournament? Yeah. So basically, after you know, after what the Bahamas did to Texas Tech, and then after right. what Georgetown did to the Bahamas. Everyone's booking their Final Four tickets, like Andrew's talking about. But so basically, Georgetown's been a huge drought, hasn't made the tournament in four years. They need to make it this year. Would you be more surprised if they made it or more surprised if they missed it? I'd be more surprised if they missed it. I, I just think this team, this team is so talented and they just have, again, a depth that's been missing for a really long time. I, I think, I, I believe James Akinjo is going to be one of the better players in America this year. He, he's, you, He's uniquely talented at that point guard spot. And, like, obviously not on, like, a worldwide scale, but in a Big East scale, I don't know if there's another point guard in that conference that's as good as him. Maybe I'm missing someone. But I just think – I just don't see too many teams that can match that depth. I think Georgetown is going to be in the top 25 throughout the season. I I think you guys won't have to be sweating it out um, in early March. It'll be an easy walk into the tournament for Georgetown. Well, it'll be great to have you back for our selection show special – after you've predicted, <laughs> get a top four. Yeah, you, people, play people close can to like home. Burn, I was going to say, you can burn me at the stake if, if Georgetown is 500 this year. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't happen. Well, thanks, Gavin, for, for hopping on. You were clearly one of the top five special guests in Kenty Corner podcast history. So congratulations. This is, what is this, the fifth episode for you guys? <laughs> Pretty six. much. Episode number six. Okay, all right. So that, that's an honor. <laughs> that's an honor. That's an honor. Eight. Thank you so much, guys. All right, Gavin. <laughs> Take care, man. Bye. So a lot of Xavier talk, but Gavin is very, very high on Georgetown. Xavier will sort of be yeah. like like when uh, Ben was on talking about Vegas, we can do Xavier for Gavin. He liked Xavier a little bit, but very friendly of the Hoyas, loves Georgetown, has him, has him I think, in his, in his Elite Eight, I think. Look, I'm excited because obviously I'm watching the games with rose-colored glasses. You know, you're more of the pessimistic type, but I'm glad that someone who, <laughs> someone who unbiased, who is calling the games, like obviously saw the same type of exciting, talented team that was on the floor. So obviously, good things. It is basketball in August. A lot can happen, um, but impressive stuff so far for Georgetown. No, for sure. And people have been pointing out to me, not just one, so people, at least two. 
that. I have Uh-oh. not been, I have not been the Bobby B pessimist on Georgetown this offseason or on or on this podcast. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I think um, look, again, it's only August. You you have it, it, <laughs> The heat has something to do with it. I think you have plenty of time to round into form. Um, and, you know, I fully expect come come November that we'll we'll see the true you. All I needed was a good schedule. That's all I needed. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I've been saying is give me a schedule. Um, but anyway, so let's wrap it up here. We actually had um, some pretty good questions from requests for people. You know, we're going to do the pod, and here we are. So McGuire Owen 14 talked about how DC United has improved with Audi field for moving from RFK. So his question was, is Georgetown going to leave capital one anytime soon to achieve something similar? Um, What are the benefits of staying in Chinatown? You know, yada, 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 playing in the Thompson center for the NIT games. Um, Do you want to start on this? Yeah, we're not going anywhere. Um, (laughs) it's, It's too much of a selling point for the program. You know, the school takes recruits there. They they sell the fact that Georgetown plays in NBA arena, that they have NBA locker rooms and and, and what have you. Uh, plus, you know, Ted Leonsis, obviously one of the more prominent alums, runs the thing. So we're not going anywhere. Um, do I think that Georgetown could get a better home court advantage if they played in a smaller arena? Absolutely. Um, you know, that's something that has been discussed among the fans for decades at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. The problem is there's nowhere to go, right? right. I mean, they're not just going to make they're, they're not just going to build an arena. Um, the whatever the sports and entertainment center where the Mystics are playing and the Go Go. I'm sorry, I'm probably forgetting what the actual name of it is. That's really not going to work for them from from where it is, from what it can actually uh, give to the fans, to the to the size, to the stuff around it. There's nothing built up there. If, if that was going to go, ain't or we ain't going to go go there. No. Oof. We are, we are not going to go, go there. So let's go go to the next question. Next question. Next question is. Alan, do we see Alan playing meaningful minutes alongside a Kinjo to free a Kinjo up to shoot more threes? This guy, um, this is, I'm sorry, this is Motley Cruz film. Pretty cool name. Um, He notes, Mm -hmm. he notes that a Kinjo because Jesse's gone is the best three point shooter on the team. And mm-hmm. say that that's a pretty good chance that that does happen because I think last year Ewing tried to do that with Mosley with varying levels of success. So I think we saw a three-guard lineup to end the season when Pickett was on the bench with McClung, Akinjo, and Mosley. So I do think Allen is going to get an opportunity to do that. And it does make sense if Pickett or Blair aren't hitting their threes, Akinjo is going to have to be the guy, particularly with Malinowski now gone. Absolutely. I think Ewing showed that he anticipates a lot of minutes for uh, Terrell Allen this season. I mean, he started one of the games in the second half, um, you know, the second half lineup. So, and he was very effective. I mean, he's, he's not many turnovers, seems to know what to do with the ball. Um, he has a decent stroke himself. I suspect that he's going to take a lot of the, the minutes that perhaps were earmarked for Mosley simply because he's probably a better player. Um, so I'd expect to see Terrell Allen a lot this season. Um, and yes, Akinjo's outside shot looked much improved um, in the Bahamas. Yeah, it was also good last year's over over 40% shooter. Um, this yeah. is probably an important question. Wants to know about some casual meetups before games, after games. 
talking specifically about the Syracuse games. we got a couple different people asking the same question. I don't think there was a casual meetup last year. They've always been really fun in the past. Places like Iron Horse. Any sort of, um, you know, update or yeah. you know, sort of talk about that? It's August, um, but yes, we have had <laughs> casual ex- extravaganzas in, in years past, which are always the highlight of the social calendar. Um, I think a lot, <laughs> part of the reason that we haven't had them in recent years has been really the relative lack of success of the team on the court. Uh, but since this year looks to be different, we will start up the casual extravaganza train again. I don't know about the Syracuse game. Usually it is the final Saturday of the home slate, kind of your senior day game. Um, but we'll see what uh, what the schedule looks like when it comes out. Yeah, I mean, sort of, you know, the Syracuse game is going to be big enough. So what you kind of want to do is, you know, this is like the baseball promotions, right? You don't give give away your good bobblehead when you're the Nats if, you know, the Dodgers are coming to town because people are going anyway. You give it when the Royals come to town. So right. it makes more right. sense. And, and you, you, you know what sucks about the Syracuse game, frankly, is that they all go to <laughs> Clyde's. Clyde's, like, it becomes essentially like the Syracuse home base that weekend. Right. So you, you can't really avoid the fans, you know, that that pasty Syracuse fans. It's just better to have it on a different date. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's definitely, there's a lot of orange. You don't want to be a part of that. Um, hopefully they will go home upset this year. Um, you definitely want, yeah, it's just, it's not a, it's not a great thing. Um, I, I don't know if you saw this one, I guess this is an inside joke. I'm not familiar with it. Cause I, but just sort of uh, has, you know, do you regret the blog has been causing Georgetown basketball some negative, what's poisonous negativity? I believe this is some sort of inside joke from Over the Hilltop, Hoya. Over the Hilltop, as you know, is a uh, proud supporter uh, of the the bloggy blog. He does a lot of the game recaps and has done a wonderful job over the years. Right. Um, yet there is no, I mean, you can't get around the fact that. Since the blog started in, I believe, March of 2009, the program has really been in the in the shitter. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of truth to that, um, and I, I do think it's a it's a testament to the <laughs> the program and the, the players that have come through the program over the past decade that they have been able to overcome the negative influence of the blog on the program, and hopefully we can reverse the uh, <laughs> kind of turn things around this year with uh, year three of the Ewing era. Well, I think Kente Corner is going a long way towards that, if you have to ask for my opinion. I think that the fact that now we know how to say it the right way, I was right, by, by the way. But Yeah, you know, you, know, you, you may be right, <laughs> but I, I think there's a large segment of the population out there that really just wants to hear Kente and not Kente. I mean, yeah. maybe, we'll, you know what we could do? We could do a poll. Those are good. Or not. Loves polls. <laughs> um, um, all right. So, so next week, I uh, I hope to have more special guest stars. Maybe we'll get a guest appearance by the head of the Hoya Hoop Club. He'll come on and talk about the Bahamas experience since he was there. And then moving forward, it's fantasy football season. I'm actually heading to New York this weekend for my annual draft fiesta. If there are any Hoyas in New York City that want to purchase a beverage for me, my DMs are open. Um, but can I give uh, you we'll get... some advice? Yeah, sure. The Raiders no. have a really good receiver that I think you should. <laughs>
Yes, and it is not Antonio Brown, correct? <laughs> right. Um, but anyway, so yeah, maybe uh, we'll get Ben Sanding back on in the next couple of weeks because he knows a thing or two about fantasy. Uh, so we'll get everyone prepared for their big drafts, uh, which will be over the next couple of weeks as well. Absolutely. Okay, so as always, Kente Corner, you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Spotify, Google Play, or just go to the Casual Hoya website every day like you should already be doing. Andrew, I will see you next time. Kente, peace. <laughs>